Our scripture reading for today is the same one we've shared for the previous weeks. It comes from the 30th chapter of the book of Proverbs. These are the sayings of Agur, who is the son of Jacob. And it reads as follows. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. Let's pray. Lord, now may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we've been looking at uh, these four little verses in the book of Proverbs in which uh, Agur, I know I've called him Solomon several times, I'm just so used to figuring Solomon wrote all of the book of Proverbs, but Agur calls out four little creatures who he says have shown themselves to be wise beyond their size. Now, by way of uh, a little review, remember talking about the ant. Uh, the ant is wise because he spends all summer preparing for winter and all year preparing for the harvest. We talked what it, about what it meant to be prepared as Christians uh, in and out of season, to be prepared for the time of harvest. We talked about the hyrax, um, that rock badger, if you will, uh, wise because he stays close to his community. We learned about that word koinonia, to be in community with one another. And he is smart enough to know when there's danger to go running to the rock. And we do the same thing as we practice koinonia here in our own faith community. And as we also learn to run to the rock, the rock of ages in time of trouble. Uh, the locust. Uh, is wise because he knows how to work in cooperation with others uh, without needing to be pushed or prodded by a leader. And today we're going to take a look at the fourth wise creature. It is a lizard. And what did Solomon have to say about him? Well, very simply, he said a lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. Now, if you happen to be reading the King James Version of the Bible, uh, that verse is a little bit different. It does not say lizards. The word in the King James is spider. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a big difference between a lizard and a spider. Now, why does it say spider in the King James? Well, it's very simple. I kind of explained this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about hyraxes, remember? Uh, when the translators were putting together the King James Version of the Bible back in the early 17th century, they didn't always know the meaning of certain Hebrew words, especially uh, when it came to animals with which they were not familiar. Uh, one example was that hyrax. We looked at a couple of weeks ago. The hyrax is indigenous to the Middle East and parts of Eastern Africa. And so the uh, European translators, these British translators, had no idea what it was, so they called it a coney, or they called it a hare or a rabbit. Um, we know now that what Solomon or what Agar was talking about was the hyrax. Well, it's the same in today's verse. The translators uh, used the word spider because that Hebrew word that was in the original text, um, they had no concept of what it was about. Um, 
you know, didn't realize it was a uh, lizard, or more specifically, a gecko. Now, actually, the same point could be made about both creatures. Uh, Both the hyrax and the gecko are... Uh, can be caught with the hand, and yet you uh, you find these in king's palaces. Now, every week we've talked about these things. We've ta- told you a little bit about some of their unique uh, qualities. Uh, for example, the lizard, uh, they cannot blink, uh, so they lick their eyes to keep them moist. So if your eyes get dry a little bit later, feel free to lick your eyes. <laughs> Uh, they are very uh, communicative to each other. They speak to one another with chirping sounds. Uh, you'd have to have a pretty big lizard to hear the chirping, but evidently they can communicate. Uh, most unique is that their uh, toes have special adaptations that allow them to cling to surfaces, uh, which able, enables them, maybe you've got a gecko in your house, they're able to walk up the wall, they're able to walk upside down across the ceiling. Uh, they also shed their skin frequently, and then they eat it. Um, doesn't sound all that appealing for anything at, the, at a Lutheran potluck, but, you know, who knows. Uh, they have a hundred teeth, which, uh, so when they smile, they look a little bit like Joel Osteen. Uh, that's an inside church joke. Uh, Last but not least, uh, they claim, though it has not been proven, that they can save you money on car insurance. (laughs) So what is it about the gecko or the lizard that makes them so wise? In fact, the word in the scripture talks about them being exceedingly or abundantly wise. Now, Ager says you can catch them by hand, yet you find them in king's palaces. Well, that's exactly what makes them so wise. As far as the lizard is concerned, or the gecko is concerned, his attitude is, this is my place too. A king's palace may belong to a king, uh, but the lizard is not afraid to go there. There's no place that he's not willing to explore. And so life for a gecko, life for a lizard, is one never-ending adventure. Now, all the other animals we've looked at in this brief little series uh, all have their places. Uh, the ants build their underground colonies. The hyrax makes its home up in the rocks. The locust, you know, gets together. We looked at that swarm last week. They go where, wherever there's vegetation. But in a sense, the lizard has no permanent home. His home is virtually everywhere. Uh, you know, there's, there's an old, uh, I think it's a Baptist hymn or a Methodist hymn, that says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. Uh, that's what the Bible says also about us. In Paul's first letter, uh, he, he has these words, or Peter says these words, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, that describes who we are. We are strangers. We are merely passing through. Uh, we're but strangers here, and you know how that ends. Heaven is our home. But, you know, while we are scattered here, it doesn't mean we just get scattered. Uh, we've been given something to do. In Mark 16:15, it says, go into all the world. Now, and it says to preach the good news to all creation. You know, that's whether you go to Alaska uh, whether you go as I will be going in the next week to teach at Angola prison 
or whether it means uh, you go to South Africa, which when I got off the plane there, they said, welcome to the ends of the earth. doesn't make any difference whether you go to Haiti. Uh, it doesn't make any difference if you just walk across the street or talk to your next door neighbor. Wherever you are, you are called to bring the king's palace to different people. Now, he's saying, literally, your role is to be a lizard. Uh, go everywhere, make your home everywhere you go. Now, in this way, the uh, lizard is really the exact opposite of the hyrax. The hyrax is all about safety. He's all about survival. He stays connected to his group, and he knows when to take refuge in the rocks. Now, the lizard is not that way at all. He doesn't run with the pack. He doesn't hide in the rocks. He boldly goes where no lizard has ever gone before, kind of a Star Trek lizard. And he makes his home everywhere he goes. This is where the wisdom comes in. Agar really says, look at the hyrax, look at the lizard. They're opposite in nature, and yet they are both wise. Now, our wisdom challenge here is to know when to be one of them and when to be the other, because if you stop and think about it, we are literally called to be both of them. You can't always be the hyrax hiding in the rocks. Sometimes God actually calls on you to be a lizard and go into his world for a little bit of adventure. Now, today I want to talk a little bit how to do that. We, you know, we can't all sell everything we own and move to a slum in India. Uh, but we can learn to live with a sense of adventure right where you and I live. So that God can use us in a greater way. And so our lives will be richer than, than we ever imagined it could be. I mean, I remember praying a prayer one time, and it was, Lord, before you even ask, the answer is yes. That's a very dangerous prayer to pray, because God will suddenly start giving you some opportunities. You go, well, God, I didn't really quite meet that way. Uh, I never, in my growing up, ever thought that I would spend 13, 14 years working in the largest maximum security prison in America. Never in... Nancy's wild imaginations when she married me 50-some years ago that she ever imagined that we would sometime live in Hong Kong, let alone go to India on several occasions. I never, ever figured I would be speaking in Russia or South Africa or Nigeria or any other place in the world. But, that's, but that was just me. But God said, you know, there's some adventures out there, but the first thing you really need to do is you need to take a challenge, which is to get outside your comfort zone. You know, now, which comfort zone do you need to get outside of? Well, uh, one, your comfort zone of your social circle. If all of your friends uh, look the same, dress the same, smell the same, talk the same, uh, they all that a little cookie-cutter kind of thing, maybe you need to stretch your limits a little bit and get outside of that little social comfort zone. Now, maybe there's somebody who lives in your neighborhood or someone you work with who's a little bit different. They might have a slightly different accent. Uh, their skin might be a different color. They may dress differently. They may not be, as you think, one of us. Now, the lizard says, hey, I'm going to venture into a new territory, and I'm going to make a new friend. I don't care who they are. Now, I think every church needs to take this on as a challenge. It has been said that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. 
And that's probably true. But, you know, the segregation goes far beyond the level of skin color. Now, I've certainly been in a lot of churches in my life, and there's in churches where some people just don't fit in. Uh, not because of their color, but because of their socioeconomic status. Maybe they weren't middle class enough. Maybe they weren't upper class enough. Maybe it was because the mom was not a soccer mom. And maybe it was because the dad wasn't whole hog in the sports. And actually, you know, when I think about comfort zone, another area of your comfort zone that you might think about moving out of would be in the area of giving. You know, we can't all drop everything and become third world missionaries, that's for sure. But every one of us today can actually give probably more than we think. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about tithing, but, you know, it's, it's time as well. Time, talent, and treasure. And if you want to become, uh, you want your spiritual life to become a little bit more adventurous, take on the risk of becoming a little bit more generous. I'll give you an example. Way back in 1976, maybe Nancy will remember this, we had moved back from Hong Kong and we were living, I think we were still living in her apartment out on Todd Farm Drive in Elgin, Illinois. And Nancy went to, I think, a Lutheran Bible translator's dinner or something. I didn't go, but when she came home, she said, maybe I did something we shouldn't have done. But uh, they told me if we make a pledge and we couldn't pay for it, uh, that would be okay. And she pledged, I think it was $40 a month to Lutheran Bible translators. And I think my initial reaction was, we can't afford another $40 a month. And you said something uh, to the effect like the person who was talking was, if you make this pledge, you know, God will honor it. You know, God will work it out. And it wasn't that long after that where I was invited because I was a, a returning missionary. I was invited to go out someplace and talk about Hong Kong. And lo and behold, when it was all done, they gave me a check for $40. Isn't it amazing how God works those things out? Now, I'm not talking about being reckless with your money, uh, but I'm talking about being aggressive uh, in using the abundance God's giving you to help other people spread the gospel, uh, not only across the street, not just in your neighborhood, but certainly all the way around the world. So I'm just kind of challenging everybody, myself included, get outside your comfort zone. Uh, yeah, and if it's kind of holding you back, sometimes you almost got to force yourself out so you can experience something new. Uh, breaking out of your comfort zone is difficult because it, it does come with a lot of risks. Um, the second one is risk getting out of your comfort zone. I think I might have got one of these out of order, but it, it's also to uh, risk the potential failure that comes with any bold move forward. Um, I guess that's, I can't see the number. There it is up there. Uh, some of you know who Rick Warren is. Rick Warren is the pastor of one of the largest uh, churches in America out in Mission Viejo, California. Uh, he's the guy that wrote The Purpose Driven Life. It sold, I don't know, several zillion copies. Um, and his latest book is called What on Earth Am I Here For? But he's a very popular guy. His fame uh, gotten him into all kinds of different places. He once said that when he dies, that what he once written on his tombstone was, at least he tried. Now, uh, Rick Warren, I think, is way past at least he tried stage. Uh, when you've experienced the level of success that he has, uh, nobody's going to say, well, at least he tried. Now, I, I admire Rick Warren, uh, but I think that whole idea is a little bit naive. 
because the ugly truth is, friends, uh, when you fail, very few people are going to say, well, at least you tried. Instead, they're going to say, well, you weren't very committed, were you? Or you made a mistake, uh, didn't you? Or uh, you should have done a few things differently, right? Now, I don't want to sound too cynical, but I come from the side of experience. They won't be saying, at least you tried. They'll probably say more something like, well, you weren't good enough. Um, and actually, probably they'll say, I told you so. Uh, it, it can be humiliating and embarrassing, but when you step out, that's what happens. When you boldly step out of your comfort zone, and you get out of your little holy huddle and take the risk of boldly moving into some new area, some new venture, when you're willing to try something that no one else has the courage to try, you are going to run the risk of failure. And I would say, risk it anyway, be a lizard. I mean, every time you reach out to someone who's beyond your circle, every time you, you talk to somebody who's an unbeliever, for example, every time you try to make friends with somebody new, somebody who's not part of your, your church or whatever, you, you risk getting shut down and get pushed away and rejected. But I would say, risk it anyway. Be the lizard. Uh, sometimes you might fail, but guess what? You may make a brand new friend. You may make a friend for eternity, so you risk it anyway. You be the lizard. Uh, when you attempt to experience a deeper level of emotional commitment with people, you run the risk that people are not going to reach back. But I'd say, well, take the risk anyway. Just be the lizard. You might fail, but just in the same way the lizard runs the risk of being caught in the hand of the caretaker in the king's palace, you know, he may get caught, and it doesn't usually end well for him, but he would probably consider it be a worthy risk because for at least for a while he got to live in the king's palace. See, it's worth the risk to make friendships go a little bit deeper. It's worth the risk for any church to move out of its comfort zone so that the fellowship can be stronger and the outreach can go further and its impact on the world can be greater. Now, it sounds kind of strange that God is calling his people, you and I, to be the lizard. Now, every last one of us here today has a comfort zone. Every last one of us enjoys the safe haven among the rocks where we can also kind of park on our posteriors in a pew uh, for a while and and have peace, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we can't stay here forever. God did not intend for people to build their holy little huddle so that they could hunker down in a safe place all the time. That's why he says you, know, you need to boldly go where some of you have never gone before. Boldly go beyond these four walls. Now, I don't care what kind of mission trip anybody takes. Almost everyone is taking people outside their normal comfort zone. It is going to stretch them. Anytime you ever share Jesus with somebody else, it's probably going to take you outside your normal comfort zone. But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, in every palace, every place where people come and go, you know, there's a place for great adventure. It's a risk. And the downside is significant. can't be ignored. But the upside is life becomes a great and grand adventure. Now, here's challenge number three, and that is to set your standards higher than they've ever been. Now, Edgar didn't say the lizard is wise because uh, sometimes he's able to sneak into a really nice apartment. 
Uh, neither did he say, well, uh, the lizard is wise because sometimes he's able to move into a three-bedroom ranch with a two-lizard garage. Uh, actually, in effect, what Agar is saying here is, you know what's so amazing about the, the lizard? He goes into the king's palace like he owns the place. I mean, he's a lizard, for heaven's sakes. But he lives better than most people could ever possibly dream. Do you want to live in the king's palace? I would hope you do, because that would mean you probably would be a prince or a princess. And as far as I know, is if God is your king and Jesus is your brother, you have a place inside the king's palace. There's a king's palace that God calls us to enter into. And it's and it's not just barely out of your comfort zone. To be quite honest, it's way out of your comfort zone. None of us deserve to be in the king's palace. But that's what Jesus does. He comes and it makes it possible for us to, to live there. Now, let's just think about for a moment how this applies to relationships. What if your goal was, let's just try to get along a little bit better. Rather than doing that, maybe say, let's take this into the king's palace. Uh, let's, uh, let's take some emotional risks and personal sacrifices. Or think about what it might mean to this church. What if we looked at every ministry and everything that we ever did, every program, every event, with kind of a king's palace mentality? What if we said we want to risk moving beyond our little comfort zones, beyond our little holy huddle, not just so this church will only be a little bit better, but let's make it a whole lot better. Let's give this place a king's palace atmosphere. Now, when I wrote this last week, I thought, I've, I've never really planted a brand new church. I've been a part of a mission plant, but never did. But I wondered, would that be kind of a cool name for a church? The King's Palace. Lizards welcome. <laughs> but the King's Palace. I mean, think about how that could even apply to the place where you work. I mean, what if you broke through your comfort zone and began doing your job with more excellence and with more enthusiasm than ever before? Well, you could run the risk of rejection. Your boss might think you're a little bit wacko or whatever. But the upside is you might create the king's palace atmosphere right in that place. I always think of my daughter. Uh, her Chinese name when we lived overseas, uh, they called her Hoi Sung. And it means smiley face. If you ever see our daughter, she's got big dimples, kind of like her dad. And she's a smiley face, and she's generally a very happy, positive kind of person. And I still remember that in her workplace, and she's working for a major company, Deloitte. And I still remember her telling us about this lady who came to see her one day and said, Terry, I just don't get you. You're so happy all the time. What's with you? And Terry said, come on in. And she sat that lady down and she told her about Jesus. In a way, what she did is she welcomed that lady into the king's palace and introduced her to the king. Now, the upshot of that was that lady was soon baptized. Her children came to the church. They were baptized and her husband came too. That's what happens when we establish a king's palace mentality. See, here's where we're a little bit different from the average lizard. Uh, when we go into the king's palace, palace, we may go in there first. But, you know, the lizard typically goes in by himself. I'd say when we walk into the king's palace, we should never go alone. We should always take somebody with us. 
take along a few other lizards, a few other people who need to be introduced to the king. It's kind of worth it to to uh, break through your comfort zone, not just so you can enter the palace, but so other people can as well. I'm thinking as we head to Angola this next week, there are a number of guys with whom I have built a relationship over that time. They each and every time I see them, I say, are you ever going to come to one of my classes? Will I see you in chapel tonight? And every time I hear excuses, no, it's not for me, whatever. Maybe what I should do this time when I run into a few people and say, I'm going to the king's palace tonight. Do you want to join me? I have a feeling they look at me a little bit weird. And I'd say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll meet you here on the walk tonight at 6 o'clock, right here, right by the fence. And we'll enter the king's palace together. Now, is taking that kind of a risk scary? Sure it is. Is there a possibility of failure? Sure. Does it hurt when you fail? Sure. But is it worth it? You betcha it's worth it. I think of one guy named Big Red. I tell you, I don't know whether I would keel over and <laughs> drop dead on the spot if he'd say, yeah, Doc, I'd be happy to go with you tonight. Because I have been told no so many times over the years. But I'm not going to stop asking him. See, I believe God is calling you and he's calling me to live with the wisdom of the gecko. Uh, he's calling us to break out of our comfort zones. Uh, to go further than we've ever thought about going before in terms of our spiritual life, in our friendships, in our relationships, in our giving, in our work. And I, I think he's calling the churches. I think he's calling churches all over the place, not just this church, but to get out of the comfort zone and get into the king's palace. I think that needs to be our objective. That's why the lizard is so wise, and that's why we need to follow his example. But uh, let's not wait for someone to do it for us. That's why I talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, as Koinonia. We do it together. But we're wrapping this up, and I suppose there's kind of a big so what at the end. We've learned about four different little itty-bitty animals in four weeks. And we probably remember little bits about little bitty things. But the question is, are you willing to learn the lessons? Are you willing to learn the lessons that some of God's seemingly insignificant creatures can teach us? You know, the ant. Think about the ant again. Who teaches us to prepare. Who teaches us the value of teamwork. Doing it together. Because, you know, one of them can't do it all by themselves. But imagine the power when we all work together for the same purpose. That hyrax teaches us to know our refuge. To know and understand what it means to gather in the king's palace to study his word, to get to know him better, to worship him, to sing songs to him, uh, to pledge our allegiance to him, to pray to him. A place where we can go and run to the rock. That's why I said we should have sung a couple of weeks ago, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me find a place in thee. Or the locust, you know, who teaches us the power of knowing our place, being in our place, you know. Uh, the church is only as strong as its weakest link. We all have a place in this place. 
And if we cooperate together like that giant swarm, I think I said last week, swarm on. And what a big swarm of God's army would just march relentlessly across the countryside like a swarm of locusts. And the lizard, the gecko, teaches us not to let our limitations hold us back. Oh, I'm just a poor little Christian. I can't do nothing. I'm just a Lutheran. What do I know? A lot more than you think. Hannah found out that there are some people who knew a whole lot more than she thought they did. I'm glad they taught you. Because I think that's really one of the important things. We sometimes walk onto the mission field thinking, what are we going to show these people? We're going to bring all of our might and power of the United States into the darkest parts of Africa. And I I don't think I've ever gone to Angola. I've never gone to another foreign country. And haven't thought to, thought to myself on the way home, oh man, God, thank you again for teaching me so much. You know, the lizard teaches us not to let our limitations hold us back. You know, I'm too old. <laughs> I'm too retired. Uh, I'm too tired. Uh, I don't know much. I don't know everything in the Bible. What if they ask me questions? Oh, they say, oh, are you the people that baptize little babies? Why? And I don't know the answer. Uh, You know, don't let limitations like that. You start from where you're at. You just tell people what you know about Jesus. It teaches us also to not let our resources, our abilities, you know, the size of our church or, you know, the size of our Bible class or whatever. But to say, hey, I enjoy going to the king's palace. Won't you join me? You know, I think about all of these again. I just think, you know, God provides for us. God protects us. Now, I've been kind of being hassled by some little animals in my house for the last couple of months. I thought about those little buggers again the other day. And um, we had foxes, first of all, and they would kind of mess around in our backyard. And then all of a sudden the foxes disappeared. And then I for sure we had possums in our backyard because they kept dismantling my fountain and you know, knocking Nancy's flower pots over. But now I got these lousy squirrels. And they're just putting nut stuff all over my back. They're knocking over everything. They chew the inside out of my, oh, I wish I had more shells from my shotgun. You could shoot them in town. But you know something? God provides for those. Doesn't the Bible tell us that? I mean, God who takes, takes care, you know, the birds of the air, the animals of the fish, they're God's creatures. And if God provides for them out of my oak tree in the backyard and scatter those little acorns all over the place, so be it. God protects the humblest of his creatures. Guess what? He'll do the same for us. He'll certainly, he'll certainly provide and protect His people who in wisdom have learned to follow his plan for their life. I hope you all become ants and hyraxes and locusts and lizards. And I'll see you in the king's palace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that you've given us. Seemingly insignificant things in your word, but there's nothing that is truly insignificant in your word. There's always a lesson to be learned. 
So, Father, we pray that we have heard it, that we have learned it, and that it takes root in our heart. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.